0: Well, again, welcome. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to John's Gospel. We're in John chapter 1. We started last week and we're looking at a a familiar passage starting at verse 9. We'll read 9 through 18 in a moment because it really does have a different picture of what happened on that wonderful night when our Savior was born. I don't know about you, but Christmas to me is a time of reminiscing, of, of, yes, being with families that we can't be with as much. We still can connect with. But I remember Christmas in the past being a time of <clears throat> the kind of getting caught up with each other, <clears throat> of storytelling, of, of telling each other what's been going on in life. And I, I really enjoy just to hear those stories. And I also enjoyed telling stories, like I wish I could tell you now even the story of when, what happened when I had my first car accident in college, coming home during a snow-filled to- storm from western New York, what, how crazy but how providential God was in that. Or a time, another story, when, when God provided exactly what my family needed financially, when we were in a desperate time, during seminary, not sure we were going to make it the next semester, how God miraculously did a great work. Yes, I was a personal witness to some very significant things that happened in different seasons of my life. I can fill you in on the details later, but they they have been and continue to be a lasting effect on my life and on my ministry. The stories I could tell you of the things that I went through, what God did. You know, there really is something special and I think appealing about hearing first-hand reports of real live events in someone's life. It's not just storytelling of imaginary happenings, but it's actual things that occurred in someone's life. That's why I love reading historical biographies. They're, they're just kind of fun to read because they really they're giving firsthand experiences, whether it's the, the biography of John Adams or Harry Truman or the Epic series of the Civil War by Ken Burns. There's a fascination, isn't there, and a, and a credibility in, in tracing the lives of people who were witnesses to significant happenings, and the hearing firsthand, this was what it was like. This is what people did and what they went through. I was there. That's why the Bible is so important. So let's read that section now as part of the witness. Verses 9 through 18 of John's Gospel, chapter 1. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Again, friends, important things to think about this Christmas season, but nothing more important than to realize that Truly, love came down at Christmas time, and it came down for you and for me. And you can take John's word for it. I think the overall purpose of the Bible, in many ways, think about it the overall purpose of the Bible is to provide a credible and historic witness to God. You know, in a world where there are so many voices, and so much darkness, there seems to be an equal level of confusion and even despair, doesn't there? Who exactly is God? (laughs) And how does he fit into this chaotic world, this broken world? But even more than that, how does God fit into my world? How can I understand who he is how he fits into my world. Friends, the Bible is filled not just with information, please see that, but it's filled with numerous historical accounts of people and their encounter with God. From Genesis to Revelation, there is one story after another of someone who has met God and they are giving witness or testimony to how he or she was affected. The Bible really is a biography of God working in people's lives. And the Christmas story in particular, it's filled with witnesses who attest to what happened and what they experienced whether it was shepherds in the field or, or a young unmarried couple about to give birth or, or wise men showing up to offer gifts. Think about it. There were eyewitnesses to this most significant event right here written down for you and me. Yes, the Bible, the Bible is a perpetual witness to God, but I would suggest the Gospels in particular are a continuing testimony to the person and work of Jesus. The pattern is set even at his birth, isn't it? These first four books of the New Testament we call the Gospels, they are first-hand accounts of the beginning, the middle, and the end of the life of Jesus the Christ. Christmas Think about it, is a time to think again, appreciate again, and to hear again from those who were there as to the incredible entrance of God into history. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So within this brief passage, I, I want us to see We have two very credible testimonies of who this Jesus is and why he came, don't we? They share the same name but have different stories to tell, don't they? The Apostle John and John the Baptist. Two testimonies, accounts of what happened in their lives. So you see the Apostle John We see that he was one chosen by Jesus to be his disciple and a leader of the church that Jesus would establish. What do we know about John? Based on the writings, John was one who literally walked with Jesus throughout his life. He not only listened to Jesus, he watched Jesus. He watched him even die and rise again from the dead. John had a personal encounter with Jesus. Listen to how this John, the Apostle John, opens his first letter that we find later in the New Testament. These Gospels were historic accounts written by them, but John himself would write personal letters Later in this New Testament. Listen to how he opens his letters. He says this, quote, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. We have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. So what is he writing in this gospel, in a personal story that he is telling you and me of his firsthand experience? It didn't come from somebody else who told John. John is saying, I was there. Can I tell you what I saw, what I experienced? This is a historical biography of my life with Jesus. So what he is writing is his own account. Although John was not at the literal birthplace of Christ, John starts in his own gospel with Jesus his beginning. He acknowledges in the opening chapter as we saw last week, there was a time in history when the Son of God came into this world. As we saw in verse 14, that word became flesh. And the rest of of John's gospel. The rest of his gospel is literally a fleshing out of what he saw and experienced in being with Jesus. I think this gospel is one of the richest descriptions of the life and person of Christ. It is worth reading again and again. It really is a personal account of John telling you everything I saw in Jesus Everything I experienced, everything he said, you can't get enough of reading the same biography of Christ. Yet in this section, he begins his testimony of Jesus by describing right up front the nature and purpose of Jesus. His concern was not merely his entrance into this world. John's concern was the need to understand exactly who he was, not just any baby that was born. Friends, we can't fully appreciate and understand the baby unless we understand who he was and why he came. It was that important to John. and The Apostle John shows us that that Jesus was similar to Moses. Do you see that connection. He was similar but different at the same time. John records it in the Old Testament covenant was it was centered around the law or the 10 commandments given by God to Moses. In the old covenant which was under the shadow of God's law, God demanded righteousness from his people. You must obey my word. This is your hope. And that obeying, that responding, that righteousness also included regular sacrifices for sin that God required. Because as the Bible declares, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sin. It was that serious to God. I want obedience, but I demand sacrifice. I demand death, blood. Someone, something has to die to cover sin. But now John, you see what he's doing? Now John, he wants the reader to understand that with this birth and this life of Jesus, the Old Testament covenant, has been fulfilled. And in particular, that all of the requirements of the law have been fulfilled and met in Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Everything has been completed in the life of this baby who would grow up to do a great work a complete obedience and fulfillment of everything God required. And why did God do that? I hope you see, friends, the only reason given is because of the grace of God. The grace of God. Why would God do that? Why would He take that old covenant and fulfill it in the life and the death? Of his son. Why? Because of his grace, which is unmerited favor. God had mercy on people. Why? Because he had mercy. Why? Because he had mercy. He loves the unlovable. John wants us to see, friends, when you see that babe, follow his life. This is not just any babe. We see that. The apostle John was using Moses to help us see the necessary connection and how Jesus' birth was the beginning of the full mercy, the full grace of God in Christ. What a testimony, John. Thank you. But friends, we still see another eyewitness In another John, John the Baptist, that baptizer, this cousin of Jesus, he was to be a prophetic voice and another witness to the entry of the Savior. And isn't it interesting, in John the Apostle, he, in verse 15, seems to just insert something about John the Baptist We see this seeming insert by the apostle giving reference to John the Baptist's own witness. But if you read this, like I'm encouraging you to read this book of John, you will see that much of the rest, even of chapter 1, is John the Baptist making sure people understand who this babe truly was and why he came. Very simply, John was wanting us to understand right up front that this Jesus was unique in many ways, but no more unique in his origin. John the Baptist would even allude to the fact Jesus had no beginning. And think about it, even though John the Baptist was born before Jesus, do you see what he did? He acknowledges that Jesus was before him. I came before him, but he was before me. Do you get that? There's something different about this baby. I was born before I'm older than him, but I don't have any comparison. He was before me. Jesus didn't begin his life at his birth like you and me. Jesus always was. Think about it, even that origin, that identity that Jesus himself would declare, that would cause even the beginning of the end for Jesus. Because later on in this book in chapter 8, as he was confronted by the Pharisees, as they were challenging his authority and who he was, do you remember when he explained his superiority, even over Abraham, when he said what? My friends, before Abraham was... I am, not I was, I am. He uses the most precious, powerful name of God to declare, hey, you think you don't understand. Let me tell you something. Before the great father Abraham was, I am. He took the name of Yahweh Jehovah upon himself. And that, even at that point, it says, John records, here's my witness, I saw the Pharisees pick up stones when he said that. They wanted to kill him. I saw it. I was a witness that Jesus said, I am. I wasn't. I am. What a powerful. John the Baptist wants you to see that. And although John the Baptist sadly didn't see much of the ongoing ministry of Jesus, do you see his witness He had seen and heard enough to say when this baby of Bethlehem came as a man to the world. We see later on in chapter 1, what does John say when he sees the man Jesus? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The final blood sacrifice. John wanted you and I to see this baby, oh, who he really was. And I would suggest the final verse of this passage is also in many ways the culmination. Look again at at verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. The invisible and unknowable God is now fully revealed. And the implication is also pretty clear, is it? There is no knowledge of God apart from the babe whose birth we celebrate. The uniqueness of this life is that it is literally of Jesus' life, it is literally the exact essence of God. Not a mere reflection or image but in the full sense, equal with God himself. And as another witness is brought to us in the scriptures through the writer of Hebrews, listen to what he says about this babe, about this Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God. The exact imprint of his nature. Oh, what a true, what a lasting witness. These two Johns would be to this unique child born to save his people. So in conclusion, friends, how, how powerful and necessary is this Christmas message that we year in and year out celebrate, we get so used to? How necessary and powerful is it? Hear me, based on the witness of God's word, it is literally life-saving. And it's our only hope for what we really need. It is a message that must be declared every day and every season to everyone. You know, this came home to me recently when I I met with an online seminary student. He grew up in Malaysia. I asked him about his religious background. He said, I grew up in a Buddhist home. And I saw what that was like, but I increasingly was cynical and skeptical even about that. I became a devout atheist. As a scientist, I knew there was no truth in the Buddhist tradition and the Taoism that I was given. But as we talked, he said, I had never really been exposed to the Christian faith. But he said... Before I went to university, somebody gave me, actually he said his mother, I can tell you about that later, but his mother gave him a Bible before he went to university. And between semesters, he says it like this, he said, I was out of boredom and my own skepticism, I decided to read the Old Testament. He said, I read this book, and he said, honestly, I wasn't overly impressed even with it. But he said, I found this. I found this, I, I concluded that if if this was true and if this God was real then I myself am in real trouble. Now I'm not sure I believe it but if it's true if this God is who he says he is and this is what it's like if I believe that I'm in trouble he said that, that eventually haunted him more and more especially when he met Christians at his university. And he began attending skeptically their studies just to get more information about this Jesus, this Christian faith. And he said, the more I heard about Jesus and who he was, the more convicted I became. Understanding the birth, the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then he said, because of the witness of these believers. My life was never going to be the same again. I saw Jesus through the lives of these people and the witness of the word. And this this student, he is now on staff with several other ministers of the gospel in Singapore bringing the good news of Christmas all year round to people who are lost and dying just like he was. What a testimony. What a witness. This guy can say, Jerry, I was there. Can I tell you my story, my witness of what God did in my life through other Christians who were a witness to me? Oh, friends, be a witness. Be a witness at Christmas. Be sure, be sure to talk to someone this week, this season, about what really happened at Christmas. Oh, would you ask the Lord to let you be a light to that weary and struggling believer or to that one outside of Christ who doesn't even know just how sick and dying he or she is Oh, brothers and sisters, let's believe in the truth and power of the gospel for every season of life. And may Jesus Christ be praised. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful again and again for that old, old story that you have come to us to save us, to love us. So, God, let us be truly witnesses to the witness of Christ, and let that be seen even this day. In Jesus' name, amen.